Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So this good news came from Joshua and Caleb, who said that God would absolutely fulfill his promise and give them this incredible land. Now, the problem was, here's the first time you're going to hear the word mix. The people heard the good news, but they didn't mix it with faith. They heard the news. They heard the promise of God. They knew it had been a promise from God. Joshua and Caleb remind them it's a promise of God, but they don't mix it with faith. See, hearing the word is not enough. It must be mixed with faith. There are lots of Christ followers who struggle with having God's promises working in their lives. They believe that God tells the truth, that he made these promises to them, but for whatever reason, they don't see God doing these things in their lives. If this describes you, today's teaching by Pastor Mark will be helpful. You'll be talking about a small church of discouraged believers and how they'd forgotten what they needed to do to see God's power working through their lives. They'll find out what to do to let God help them again. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 4 as he begins his message, The Challenge to Rest. if you will, to Hebrews chapter 4. I tried this, but our pastors, other than Dave and Dean, there's too many young guys now. They don't, they don't understand it. Anybody remember this song? I can't sleep at night, tossing and turning, tossing and turning, ah, tossing and turning all night. Anybody remember that song? Praise God, I feel better already. See you, young guys. Man. That's what this whole teaching is about. Time use on the average workday for employed persons 25 to 54 with children. There's 7.6 hours of sleeping and household activities, leisure, all the kind of things. How many of you understand our modern life moves at incredible speed? We live in a hurried up, fast paced, drive through, get your meal, eat it on the way to work, pressure packed world. Every day, many of us react to ongoing mental demands, heavy workloads, deadlines. Anybody here working with a deadline, wherever you're at? Anybody? Absolutely. Deadlines, job insecurity, money worries, relationship problems. The result of this is one thing, stress. And those stress reactions, over time, affect our physical body. Meeting mental demands requires lower but ongoing levels of stress hormones. And the body just has to work with it and the energy. The result is it's simply wear and tear as you do 200,000 miles on a car. Our bodies have this 
kind of phenomena. And so this leads to, well, we thought the solution was computers, Palm Pilot, and cell phones, and now text messaging. But now you have to have surgery for your thumbs on text messaging. We thought all of these things in modern technology would solve the issues. But you know what they've really done? They're wonderful. We wouldn't give them. They've complicated life. What happened to your phone? Oh, I forgot to plug it in last night. What about your heart? It crashed yesterday. I can't find anything because our brains are gone. So, (laughs) am I right? If you don't have your cell phone, how many can remember numbers anymore? No, you push four speed dial. That's the way we work. And the problem is, very often we have no time to just sit back and meditate on life. My background is pharmacy, as you well know. Three of the top popular medicines in the United States, Ambien, Xanax, and Nexium. Now, what are they a result of? Ambien is people can't sleep, stressed out. Xanax, same, panic. Nexium, ulcers. Top three medicines. 20 years ago, you didn't have any of this. Antibiotics were the top medicines. So in our Bible study, we want to talk about what God talks about. And there's hope for us. There's the promise of rest. Well, let's define rest as the Bible defines it. If you look up the meaning in the Greek of Hebrews chapter 4 as we move through it, you'll discover rest means this, to cease, to stop something. And then there's, well, there's an expansion to that. Something that can be entered into. It's not just... It's not just this elusive thing out there. In fact, the Bible is going to speak a lot about entering into this rest. Without Christ, it would be more like entering into the room. But for us, it's entering into a relationship. So rest. Entering in to all that God has promised for his followers. Now, what does that rest include? Well, it can go from A to Z. Certainly it includes God's peace, confidence of salvation, reliance in every day on the Holy Spirit, abundant life here, and eventually this incredible future rest. Three key words I want you to think about as we go through it. One is rest, I already defined it for you. The second thing is watch as we go through the word enter. And then what makes all of this happen is that third word, mix, mix. Matthew 11, 29 says it like this. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, Before we start into chapter 4, remember, God's rest is not really related to a physical place or physical location. God's rest is found, is based, not in circumstances, but in a relationship that has to start with Jesus Christ. 
God wants every one of us to enter into all he has for us. So it's a relationship where we get not our rest, but we get his rest. So here's the key. God's rest is spiritual. The bottom line, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. But because the spirit is so entwined with our bodies, it affects our psyche and our physical bodies. So all of this is a beautiful thing because that's really what God wants. We're to love God with all our heart and mind and soul. It affects all parts of us. So if we enter into God's spiritual rest, it will affect us physically and mentally. Now don't take me wrong just because I put those medicines up and you went like I'm taking two of the three. How did he know? I don't know. So, relax. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, remember, no chapter breaks. So, when you see therefore, you've got to go right back to chapter 3, verse 16. We learned last time that Israel as a nation rebelled in unbelief as they were ready to enter the promised land. So, they never were able to enter Canaan, where the rest was. Let's remind ourselves of chapter 3, verse 16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those that Moses led out of Egypt and with whom he was angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert, and to whom God did swear that they would never enter, notice, not their rest, his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter. There's one of those key words again. Because of their unbelief. So, I'm going to give you five kinds of rest as we go through this passage. We'll define them for you. I think that'll help us as we move through. First, Canaan rest. This was a type of a future spiritual rest. It related to the children of Israel as a land, the promised land, but as I already told you, it was really spiritual. And it could never be accomplished by Canaan. You'll see later, Joshua doesn't even accomplish it. David doesn't even accomplish it. Really, the rest that we're talking about can only be accomplished not with the old covenant, but with the new covenant, which is not based on the law, but is based on Christ. But the Old Testament is filled with types. And the promised land, Canaan was a picture of that. So let's go back to chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So the writer to the Hebrews is giving this exhortation, remember, to who? To a discouraged small church, probably men in their home. They had left Judaism. So he begins to encourage him 
Don't turn away from the rest you've discovered. You're under the new covenant. You found what you were looking for in Christ. You never found it with the law when you were in Judaism. You couldn't. You could never be good enough. And so don't go back to this mental salvation, trying to work for your salvation. Also, remember, the writer is saying, your relatives were on the verge of entering the promised land. But they never did it because of unbelief. They got discouraged. They feared what was to come if they entered. So he's speaking to this same small group of people. And he's saying to them, don't fear what's coming. Probably Nero is lighting those Christians with torches. He said, don't fear that. Rest isn't a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. It isn't about a place. It isn't about a place where there's no danger. No, you can have God's rest right in the middle of disaster. So he's encouraging them. Don't allow your present circumstances to cause you to doubt the promises that you know there's from God. There's a rest greater than the one you even experience now. That's what he says. And I want to say to us in this room, this is not just a teaching out of the book of Hebrews. Well, cool, we did chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. In your life, God wants to bring you rest. As I said earlier, we prayed in the pastor's meeting. There's no reason for any person in this room to leave without God's rest. Doesn't matter your circumstances. Pat, you say, Pastor Mike, you know, doesn't matter your circumstances. It isn't dependent on your circumstances. It's his rest that can come to all of us. Now, notice in this verse, verse 2, For we have heard the gospel preached to us just as they did. What was the good news preached to the Israelites as they stood outside the promised land? What kind of good news did they hear? Well, keep your finger right there. Let's turn back to Numbers chapter 14. Now, The good news is always faith-based. And you remember the story. We'll read it in a a moment as you've turned to it in your Bibles. Numbers, chapter 14, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. What was the good news preached? That was the good news preached to them. God had said, go for it. It's going to be an incredible land. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I will give you victory. It's a land of prosperity. Everything you need will be there for you. That was the good news. The good news was associated with God's will. Look at verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But remember, the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So this good news came from Joshua and Caleb, who said that God would absolutely fulfill his promise and give them this incredible land. Now, the problem was 
Here's the first time you're going to hear the word mix. The people heard the good news, but they didn't mix it with faith. They heard the news. They heard the promise of God. They knew it had been a promise from God. Joshua and Caleb remind them it's a promise of God, but they don't mix it with faith. See, hearing the word is not enough. It must be mixed with faith. I'll have more to say about that in a moment. Because of that, the promise was no good to them. And when the promise is no good, there was no rest for them. They would not believe God. And thus, none of them, except Joshua and Caleb, would ever even enter the promised land and find a type of rest, which eventually Joshua led them in to do. Now, back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For we also have had the gospel preached to us. He's talking to this little home group. Now, what was the gospel preached to them? What is the good news that was preached to these Jews that caused them to change from Judaism to Christianity? What is the good news that has been preached to you and I? What is the good news? Well, it's Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Here's the good news. For by grace, you've been saved. That's good news. Through faith, notice, it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not by work so that no one can boast. So, what kind of rest comes from hearing this good news and receiving this good news and accepting salvation by faith? What kind of good news? It's our second kind. I'm going to call it salvation rest. It's rest from guilt and the penalty of sin. I want to talk to you about something because it's amazing. If you look around the world, I don't have statistics on this, but I think I can say to you, if you take all Christians out of the world, born-again Christ followers out of the world, take them out of the world, you're left with two groups of people, agnostic, atheists, whatever, who really don't have anything to do with any kind of gods, and then you're left with religious people, Hindus. Many of them are religious people. So I believe there's more religious people in the world trying to be right with God by good works than there are atheists and agnostics in the world. The most difficult thing you have is people that are religious who are trying to earn their salvation. You stop and think about that for a moment. And as you think about it, if you're trying to earn your good works, where does rest come from? At one point you go, I achieved it. Well, there's no definition for that. There's, there's no status that you get to that you've achieved enough good works to be right with God. So understand, if you think about this, it was like the law. The Jewish people tried to keep the law to prove that they were good enough. How good is good enough? There is no way you can ever be good enough. We don't even know what that means, where it starts, where it stops. So when we have salvation by grace, it's a gift from God. Understand, our salvation doesn't depend on works. Because if it did, if your salvation depended on works, what would that look like in an average week for any of us in this room? How much rest? 
Would your life not look like this all week? I was really good today. And then tomorrow, you get up in the morning, and you and your wife have this little deal. Now, you're not good anymore. So, how much good things are you going to do to offset what you just blew that morning with your wife? Those of you who aren't married, relax. You went into work. Somebody teed you off. You responded, but not like you should. How much, how many chapters tonight to read to offset that? I'm not joking. I'm serious. How much to offset it? I don't know. So, I mean, our week would be what? Miserable. You talk about tossing and turning all night. God, don't come today. I haven't done enough yet. Please don't come. (laughs) Now, we joke about that, but you know, some of us were almost raised with that mentality. If God came today, you better get down to this altar. Some of us were raised with that because we were never secure in our salvation. Your salvation, my salvation doesn't depend on me. It depends on Christ. That's why it's called salvation rest. There's no more fear of death. No more fear of loneliness. No more fear of emptiness. So, as we think about that, my salvation depends not on me, but on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's no need to try and work for our salvation which was never possible anyway, the spiritual rest that I have is found only in Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus said this. Say it with me. It is finished. But what does Satan say to us? Well, it's not finished for you. You're not good enough. Why would a Christ follower do that? He's the condemner. Romans 8. You know what I'm talking about. And that destroys rest. Now, everyone who is in Christ is at spiritual rest. Well, how do I get in Christ? You're going to see in a moment. You already know. You get in Christ by believing, receiving. Everyone who is not in Christ continues to try and work for their salvation. And as they do that, automatically, by definition, they are never at rest. That's why religion is misery. Because it's do, 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 do. And no, salvation is done. Religion is due. Now, would you call that good news? That's great news. We take it for granted, but it's so powerful. The subject of Pastor Mark's teaching today was rest. He talked about the lack of rest that many adults experience today and the things they were trying to do to compensate for that lack. You also learned that God has a rest available for his followers. Pastor Mark talked about this spiritual rest and what it can mean for you when you pursue and find it. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. 
For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue this message, The Challenge to Rest. You'll hear about God's promise to the people of Israel that he had rest for them to enter into. They didn't experience God's rest, and Pastor Mark will tell you the reasons they didn't get there. You'll find out the danger of following Israel's path and missing out on this rest in your life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.